this is Karen with NewClevelandRadio.net, and it is time for Avoid the Maze. And as you all know, we talk about our journey through life and how we got to where we are today. And some of you on the outside listening in may think, well, wow, Karen, you just are a brainiac. You knew exactly what to do to make yourself happy. And the reality of it is, no, it was through a lot of trial and error. Today, my guest is Teresa Bittner. And uh, when I read Teresa's bio, I knew that she could add a lot of light to this subject. Because as we go through life, Teresa, um, tell me if this is what happened to you when you're a very young child, you look around and you say, oh, this is who I wanna be. This is where I'm gonna live. This is who I'm gonna marry, whatever. And then life continues to go on and maybe those dreams change or maybe something changes it for you. Mm-hmm. So am I hitting um, the nail on the head? <laughs> uh, yes, yeah. all kinds of change. Change is the only thing constant in life. <laughs> you know, you're so right. And when we hear that, we sort of get angry about it. It's like, well, why can't things stay still just for a few minutes? And, you know, they, if they did, um, the reality is listeners, uh, we wouldn't be here breathing. So mm-hmm. the reality of it is life is continuing to evolve. So Teresa, tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you got to be where you are today and what you are doing today. Sure. No, I'd be happy to. Thank you for having me on the show. Sure. I am honored to be here. Yeah. So gosh, and, and with that statement, the only constant is change. I use a metaphor when I talk to clients. Think about nature. Nature doesn't fight change. We're probably one of the few things that fight it. The trees lose their leaves. They grow new ones. Um, so I have a, you know, I think of a tree or maybe a moth or a butterfly that goes through the Absolutely. life stage. So uh, listeners, think about that. Don't fight it so much. And guess what? You're changing even if you don't want to. Your skin's sloughing off. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I always start out that my whole life shouted change. I just didn't really know that as a young kiddo. I was born and raised for some years in upstate New York and didn't really know that I was living in an alcoholic home. Didn't know that was not the norm. Thought everybody did. You know, we're kind of loud, happy, fun family. And that was what I thought was normal. Uh, And then as I got older, I started knowing "Hmm, things are a little different in our family, but not, you know. That was, that was taught me my survival skills, I would say. It didn't teach sure. me resiliency, but taught me survival. A major change came in life because I just thought, yeah, we we're going to live there forever. My family had always lived there. That's the way it was going to be. And we moved from upstate to New York to Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow, and I was, big difference. I was, I was 13. Not a fantastic age to move anyway <laughs> in middle school. Um, I call those my turbulent teen years started there. And with that, I was, you know, smoking, drinking, cussing, because that's what we all did in New York. And the debutante lived next door. It was pretty short that Satan had moved in and told everybody at the middle school. Not great. Um, And as a family, my siblings had moved on. They're much older than me. So it was just me and my parents. And I will say that change, we did not survive and thrive well. Um, My dad's alcohol abuse became more. I couldn't fit in. So I became a rebel without a clue and made 
very interesting choices and friends and acted out in all kinds of ways. Through all lots of counseling therapy in my own studies, I was really lost. <laughs> I know that now. So things changed and it got to a point where it was kind of scary. I mean, there were times in middle school and high school that dad's like, hey, like if you don't stop, you're going to be dead. Like you're either going to be great or you're going to be dead. I don't know which one, but you're really scaring us. So, I mean, I kind of always knew like, okay, I, I was smart. I knew that. And I could like go to school on drugs, drunk, whatever, skip school. It didn't matter. And I still made straight A's. It was, it was one of the gifts I had, I think, because I had an advanced education and then it wasn't as advanced where I was. So I survived, I survived that and kind of, you know, sort of straightened up my act, sort of. I wouldn't say totally now that I'm at the wise 56 that I am now. <laughs> and um, ended up going to school uh, to get a computer science degree. I wanted to be a psychiatrist. I wanted, and I now run my own coaching business, didn't know that's what I really wanted to do. But dad was like, nope, not paying for it. You like boys and money, go get a computer science degree. This was in the 80s. Okay, fine. It was kind of easy for me, but I was the only female in a lot of classes. Right. So I learned really quickly how to be an advocate for myself and kind of fight for rights. And I didn't realize at that point, I was kind of a pioneer for women. Didn't want to do that in the tech space. So got that, uh, met my uh, late husband there. And we, I got a job offer in Austin, Texas. So we got married on Sunday. The Saturday before we had graduated from college, and then on Monday we moved from Charlotte to Austin. Wow. I wouldn't recommend that for anybody. About six <laughs> months after that, we like woke up and like, what happened? Our whole <laughs> lives just changed. Um, and that was the beginning of a high-tech career for me. And I worked as a software developer, then a project manager, manager, program manager, and executive. And all that time, um, I don't know if any of your listeners or you are familiar with the shame that binds you book. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, I was living the perfect air quotes, perfect persona that I thought I needed to be perfect wife, perfect employee, perfect, perfect, perfect mother. And I would very happily admit to being, you know, Wonder Woman with her crunchy burned off cape because I burned myself out and I was sick all the time. And that I did that for about 16 years. And uh, there were some health scares and the doctor's like, you're not having a heart attack. It's called a panic attack and you will die if you don't lower your stress. I was like, Psh, whatever, just give me some drugs. Yeah. <laughs> um, but a few epiphany moments happened. My son was going to school and I was bragging to him on the computer that I had two headsets with two phones and another conversation going on on the computer. And he just looked at me. And he's like, that's dumb, mom. I was like, that is dumb. That's all I could think of all day is like, he is so right. So some other moments happened and um, I was putting together a promotion package to go be a director and decided I'd resign instead. I had my sixth uh, pneumonia that year and wow. told the doctors, just give me drugs, man. We're going on spring break. We're going to Florida. Got to go. And he's like, honey, you need to be in the hospital. I'm like, ain't got no time. Let's go. Got to go. And kind of realized, you know, the merry-go-round is not healthy. Um, so resigned, thought I'd be a stay-at-home mom. That didn't last very long. Um, started volunteering for school because I left the high-tech world because I tried part-time, I tried full-time, I tried lots of different moldings to get through it. But I was like, I need to leave. This is toxic. I was in a particularly toxic environment. Not that they all are for those in high-tech. I love and love you all. Um, and I just knew for me I had to get out. And I wanted to spend more time with the kids because they were going into middle school. And I was like, oh, I got to be with them. 
So I became a middle school science teacher after volunteering. They're like, just go get certified. You're awesome. So I became a middle school science teacher and I learned quickly that middle school kids and executives are kind of similar. <laughs> <laughs> I love that comment. <laughs> they you know, both cuss that you only one can throw a, a lab stool at you. It was great. Now, and I worked in a title one school and it was fantastic. I love the teaching. I didn't love some of the things and my heart goes out to the teachers right. that are going out right now. But during that period of time, this is when I really found out that I wasn't as resilient as I thought I was. I didn't really get grief like I thought I did because when I was a manager, I had employees die and things happen. I'm like, oh, you know, I had grandmothers die, aunts die, friends die, suicide. Like I got grief. Um, the second year of my teaching, my first husband was killed in a motorcycle accident. That it was the humdinger that took me all the way to the ground. I was always little miss it, the project manager, she has it together. That rocked our world. The boys at that time were freshmen and senior in high school. Horrible time to lose your dad. That period of time was, I won't lie, the first two years were horrible. I ate and drank my way through grief. One of many coping mechanisms out there. I don't recommend that uh, for anybody. And it took a lot of work, both personally, faith, family, friends, good therapy, good counseling, some good medication. And I finally got to a point where I was like, okay, I, I came back and realized I had to live for the kids. My first goal was to get them graduated from high school. Check. And then at some point, I was like, oh, I heard of this thing called coaching. So I went and got coached. I'm like, this is so cool. And my coach was like, you'd be really good at this. I was like, what? <laughs> no way. So I, I kept teaching. Um, I was in the middle of getting a master's in curriculum uh, design and, and for instruction. And I was like, that's fun. And then I decided, you know what? I always did want to open my own business. I always want, I want to help people. You know, be it when I was a manager and uh, at work, I was a mentor. I mentored, I did lots of women in tech mentoring and teaching. I mentored other teachers and kids. So I learned about coaching, went and got my certification. In 2014, I opened up Bold Fulfilled Life Coaching. So I have the honor of actually working with people who want to work with me now and helping people build resiliency, learn to get through those rough, rough patches in life. Because it's not if, it's when. I always tell people, be ready um, and build some resiliency skills. So that's a really long answer to well, how did well, I get to where I am today? And You know, Teresa, I, I love it. Um, because many of us, when you ask about how we got to where we are today, um, mm -hmm. many will say, I have no idea. You know, mm -hmm. I've been searching for life and, you know, life is happening around me. And for myself, I didn't realize how many, and I look at it as different lives I've had in this lifetime. Um, and I thought I was the only one. And when I left corporate America about 10 years ago and realized that my situation was making me so ill that if I stayed, either I was going to be a burden on my husband and son, or I was going to die. Mm. And I didn't have anything that tragically wrong with my body that I should die other than like you, I was trying to wear so many different hats, trying to be the perfect. And no one ever told me that there was no such thing as perfect. <laughs> and 
So I kept trying harder and harder. Um, and so when I ended up sort of being pushed out of corporate America and leaving there, um, that's when I found my voice. It was, this is just not fair. I have put my heart and soul into my life and trying to make everybody else happy. And now I'm sitting here at around six years old saying, um, I don't have enough money to retire in five years. I really can't retire now. What can I do? And somebody said to me, well, Karen, you've been blogging for 10 years. Karen, you've been volunteering in other areas. Look what you did in your corporate job. And I had to actually sit down and hear everything that they said. And I put it on paper and it was like, mm. wow, you've got a great resume. <laughs> but when you send out that resume at six years old and they see everything you've done, they sort of read between the lines and typically you're not going to get hired. And so that's when I said, well, then I've got to do it for myself. If nobody else is going to hire me, I'm going to do it for myself. And that's what I'm hoping our listeners will hear. You went through so many tragedies in your life, found a way to swim upstream when most people would have said, how didn't she drown? Because just listening, it was like, oh my God, you know, like I would have drowned a half a dozen times. But I don't think that means that you are any more resilient than anyone else. It means that you just weren't ready, ready to give into all the crap that it hit you. No, no. Well, and it's um, in studying lots of resiliency, I think in some ways living in a chaotic home kind of gave me some skills that some don't but resiliency is totally something you can learn right and if you are mindful about it you can plan and learn and deal with things and it's uh, it's a very much as a is an, an outlook you know do you have something to look forward to i always tell people and and i haven't you know i have three autoimmune diseases we can talk about that i got to deal with my i'm i'm writing my i have one memoir that i wrote about that journey um the death journey and then I'm writing another memoir uh, about dealing with elder care for your parents so yeah. <laughs> a whole new journey for many of us yes. another, another journey but what I realized is that things are a season in life and if you can look at this as like this is a season in life it's not forever it can really help propel you forward and you're right I wasn't going to give up because I kept going like no no. When I was widowed, I had this opportunity to go out to dinner with other widows. And there was another widow who was so excited to meet her. I'm like, yes, she, her husband was killed in a motorcycle accident. Yes, she's got two daughters. Oh, good. We can talk. She, many years later, was nasty, mean, like, oh, we're going to get that SOB. I still take my daughters to the parole meetings. La, 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 la. And I just walked out of there. I'm like, okay, God, like, I don't, I don't want to be like that. I don't want to be a bitter, angry widower I don't want to be defined by being a widow and that was an epiphany moment for me to go I have a choice here I can go do that because I was pretty angry I could certainly go do that but I'm like that's not me no I want to live again and be happy again and have joy I could I know I can figure it out someday and it took a while and and it's not easy I mean the grief hmm. 
that you went through, first of all, it wasn't something expected. So now you have this unexpected incident mm -hmm. and now you're in grief. It sounds like your coping mechanisms um, weren't that great because you said, hey, I'm, I'm gonna drink and whatever because I have to numb myself from what I'm oh, feeling. Yeah. And the reality of it is uh, that probably, and not that grief ever totally goes away, but it probably extended the harsh, intense grief that you were going through because you numbed it, but you didn't experience it. Um, and <laughs> I remember somebody telling me when my um, first niece died of uh, um, infant death, um, mm. everybody else was grieving, but I really didn't get that opportunity because there were my parents, there was my brother and sister-in-law, there were her parents, um, great grandparents. And, you know, they were entitled to have their grief as the youngest around. It was, you know, help take care of them and mm. soothe them and, it was many years later that I remember sitting down um, in the library at, at college and I thought to myself, why do I feel like crying? I mean, mm -hmm. I just wanted to cry my eyes out. Couldn't realize what had happened. And all of a sudden it dawned on me, whatever I was reading that day in, in the library triggered, I haven't cried yet. I haven't mm. felt her loss. And I remember going back to my dorm and saying something to my roommate. My roommate looked at me. And again, she probably had never experienced grief in her life at that point. And she looked at me and she said, oh, Karen, get over it. Ooh, Your brother and sister-in-law will have, you know, another child someday. And then you'll have a niece or a nephew. And it was like, can you do that? And the reality is we can't, okay? Because yeah. there are things that happen in our life. So you bring a lot to your clients, obviously. You've, you've seen it, you've lived it. Um, so when you decided to take these coaching classes, um, was it more for you to get through or did you say, I'm gonna take these coaching classes because I'm now gonna be the coach? By that point, I, I, had, I made a problem actually interviewed other coaches and I wanted to make sure I was quote, you know, as healed as I could be and as whole as I could be. And I did lots of therapy and counseling because lo and behold, when your husband dies, like, wow, there's nobody else to blame all those problems. And when you yeah. quit your jobs and those, those problems still follow you. Well, Hey, um, so dealt with some of my own stuff to realize, okay, I have something special that I want to give to other people. So I went to the courses because Anybody can be a coach. I wanted to be a professionally trained coach through the International Coaching Federation. So I'm like, I want to learn the skills. Plus, I'm an avid learner. That's another resiliency skill learning. So I went and took the courses so that I would have the tools and could do this well for others. And I wanted, you know, plus I wanted to learn all the neat things. And gosh, once I found the coaching world, and I was like, oh, my gosh, this is my people. These are my tribe. Finally, <laughs> finally, I found them. Not that the other people weren't, but this is truly where... I belong. Yeah. And for me, it's a great gift to just be there and allow people to share their stories because I don't want to talk about it. 
Um, and there's no right way or wrong way to grieve. I want to let people know that there is, you know, what I call the stages in air quotes, but it's not like one plus two equals three. Um, yeah, and if I, I didn't talk much about the whole journey, but if you do want to read it, I do have a book. It's on Amazon. It's called Soul Love, How a Dog Taught Me to Breathe Again. Interesting. And, yeah, I don't know if you're doing video or not, but oh, there we it are. Is. Absolutely. Yeah, Soul there. Love. I love it. So that's my memoir. And people kept saying, oh, Tracy, you got to write your story. You got to write your story. I'm like, that is like the last blankety blank thing I want to write. But people kept asking me about it. So I wrote it. And the dog tells the parts I'm embarrassed about. Ooh, mommy smells funny. She's looking funny. Ooh, you know, mommy and the boys are screaming at each other because it, it got ugly in the household. And it is what I call a visceral real tale of grief, not sugarcoated. It's ugly. There's F-bombs. It's it shows the ugliness, but it also shows a tale of hope. And the dog Hans is, uh, he's a very sweet, sweet giant Doberman. And he tells some oh, of the story. It. And there's some humor in there. And there's more of like, oh, my God, oh, my God. And they're like, how could that happen? Because we had wildfires. I lived out on a ranch. I mean, it was, there's, it, there's some interesting things. But I will say I am remarried. The boys are grown. I have grandkids, and, you know. I am truly blessed that life has turned out as well as it has, but I think it all takes a lot of hard work. It takes a lot of hard work and you can't expect anybody else to do it for you. And that's the key. You know, mm -hmm. um, I am friends with um, another coach um, online and um, she's had some really rough goings, just like you, just like me. Um, but now her life is a lot smoother. Um, and so she's been documenting, uh, a trip that she's on with her second husband and her two-year-old little boy, uh, who is a gift from heaven. Um, <laughs> and as you read her documentation online, um, you could shake your head and say, you know, I don't believe her. Look at, she's got money. She's traveling. She's doing all these wonderful things. And, you know, her life is perfect. And perfect is a, is a fairy tale. And I think you mm -hmm. and I both know that when you say you're blessed, you know, you've got your great days, some that aren't so great and other days that look fantastic, but you have to be mindful of what you're doing. And so do the people around you. And so yesterday, somebody had commented on one of her posts and they said, you know, I wish you'd stop posting this because you are not the average woman who has, you know, been betrayed, gone through all these terrible things. And all I could do was post back and say, you know what, 10 years ago, I would have written that too. I agree. Mm -hmm. I, Cause I would have been jealous, but yeah. I have to look at what I do. I'm not, you know, in in italy you know doing all these beautiful things that she's showing off but yesterday i had a beautiful day and yeah i'm not posting it on facebook because other people aren't going to see the beauty in it but i write it down for myself that was my beautiful day and it doesn't need to take money but other days I do spend the money to make it a little bit more beautiful. So for those of you who are out there listening, what Teresa has gone through, what I've gone through, we had to make the changes internally. 
we had to wake up and say, you know, I don't like who I've become, or I don't like what has happened to me along the way. How can I make those changes? And you obviously did. Whereas your other friend who lost a husband in a similar way is still very bitter, very angry. And that's sad because you, you can't get those days back. So let's talk about your so-called transformation. Um, <laughs> you started coaching. Um, uh -huh. What was it like the first client that you coached? Now that oh my gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh. I was nervous. I was worried about being good enough. And, and when you're coaching, it's not at all about the coach. It's right. all about the client. <laughs> um, gosh, I'm trying to remember which, who was my first client? I should remember that. It's, it's kind of a blur because I had a handful of first clients. Uh, um, but I just remember when they were like, oh, that's a good question. Or like, oh, I never thought about that. And the little changes they were able to implement, I was like, oh my God, I'm a freaking rock star. <laughs> it's just like, this is so awesome. And I still get that, you know, the coaching conversation, it goes where the client wants it to go. And I show up and it's a magical thing that can happen for people when they have profound new awarenesses or they reach their magical goals they're after that they never could. And I'm a firm believer everybody needs a coach. I keep one on my bench. And sometimes it's accountability. Uh, and I, I've worked, I work with some people on grief. It's some of my clients. Some of my clients are getting new careers and off doing wonderful things. And to the point when you want to be coached and you allow someone to coach you, if there is, you know, if you're ready or not, not everybody is, that amazing things can happen when you have someone team up with you and you partner together. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's interesting because five years ago, uh, one of our first shows that we started here at New Cleveland Radio um, is with a personal coach and we are still going strong. In fact, when she started with me, she said, you know, Karen, there's a lot of things I can talk about, but don't you think the listeners are going to get bored? And I said, well, we'll find out. Let's get going. And we have invited guests on, um, but typically I am her guinea pig. And that's what she calls me, which is absolutely fine. Um, and we don't rehearse anything. And over the last five years, it's been so enlightening to me um, because I keep waiting for her and I know she'll never do it, but I keep waiting for her to say, um, you know, well, don't do that. Instead, she'll say, is that what you want to do? Um, have you thought about any other way of doing it? And it's like my whole life comes spilling out in her podcast. And I've gone back and I've listened and I can see the changes I've made. And that's why when I started Avoid the Maze, I realized that the more coaches that we could talk to on this program, number one, we can find out that they bring their life history to the coaching table. It doesn't have to match each other, okay? You can be a grief counselor and not have lost a husband, spouse, child. Your parents might still be living, okay? But you have the empathy, you have the understanding, you're 
it you're you're providing not only a shoulder for somebody to lean on, but as they lean, you sort of push them just slightly so that they get moving in the direction that they want. And it is amazing. Um, and But you have to want to do it. And that's exactly what you said before. You have mm-hmm. to want to do it. So you've had many careers. I have. <laughs> um, and in some ways, I can see how they intertwine with each other. Number one, technology. If you didn't have a technology background of some sort, um, you know, you might have been afraid to, oh, I'm not going to want to use a computer. Oh, I don't want to use Zoom or FaceTime or whatever it is that I'm going to connect with. Um, So just that background has helped you as well. And you're probably further ahead than a lot of people, which probably helps on the technology side. And then teaching, and especially Mm. teaching young children, because the best teachers I ever had never really said no to me. Mm. They would ask me if I failed a test, you know, what were you thinking when you sat down to take the test today? And I'll never forget. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade and teacher asked me that question. I looked up at her and I said, I was thinking I didn't get any sleep last night because I got in trouble and I cried all night. And she looked at me and she goes, did you study? And I said, I don't remember because I'm so tired. Mm. And she didn't say any more about it. But about a week later, she called me up to her desk as I was leaving class. And she said, I want to ask you a few questions. And they were the questions on the test. And I thought she was going to ask me, you know, about my dress, my books, who knew? And she started to ask me the questions on the test. And I was answering one after another, after another. And she said, I can't give you an A on that test, but I can give you a C. And I thought about it from that point forward. It's like, you know, if I really can't do something, I need to be able to voice that to somebody. Mm -hmm. And If I do poorly on something, I need to determine, do I take responsibility or is it somebody else's responsibility? And that's a hard lesson for us to learn. So much Mm -hmm. easier to blame everybody else. (laughs) Yeah. You 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 could be blaming your parents right now. Well, I drank because I saw you drink, but yet there are other kids growing up in an alcoholic home and they never touch a drop. So you and you did take responsibility. So give me a little hint. Um, a client calls you, prospective client calls you. Mm-hmm. How do you know if it's a good fit when they call? Ah, uh, well, and typically what we'll do is I'll set up what I call it's more of a discovery session. It's basically, am I a right fit for you and are you right fit for me? And we'll talk about like, hey, what's going on? Problem to solve? What's your goals? What have you done to try that? Um, I'll talk about my style, kind of what I do. And to me, it's an energetic thing. It's either a match or it's not. Um, It might be, oh, and I also kind of ask, you know, how ready are they? Because with coaching, if you're doing the deep work, it takes 
mental, emotional, physical space. And you want to have that space. And some people are like, you know what? You're awesome. I, I'm not willing to go that deep. Okay. When you are, let me know. Um, other people, I guess, sign me up. We're ready to go. <laughs> so it kind of depends. And, you know, that's kind of what it looks like. It's one of those we figure out if, you know, can I help you? And do you want to work with me? And I'm a believer there's so many coaches out there. There's a right coach for you. If you don't find one or it's not a good match, no harm, no foul. And, and that's why I become a coach advocate because when individuals hear our podcast and uh, they connect with me and they say, you know, I love Teresa's energy, but I'm not sure she's the right one for me. You know, I'll go through my database and I'll say, okay, I'm going to give you three names. Okay. Mm -hmm. Contact all three of them. Yeah. Find out if they are. Okay. And they'll look, they, they'll say to me, well, you know, why are you doing this? Because we all deserve to have the opportunity, whether it's to heal or just to start feeling much better about ourselves. And, you know, if we can touch one person from every podcast, I mean, I would be elated. Um, yeah. As I've said, I've always wanted to help people as well but I wouldn't become a nurse because I'd be the worst nurse because I don't like the sight of my own blood, let alone somebody else's. Um, therefore, I couldn't become a doctor. Um, there was a time in my life I thought I wanted to become a social worker um, until my best friend was um, doing an internship and um, she got beaten up by her client. And so it was like, you know what? No, I'm a scaredy cat. Um, and I knew there were other ways that I could have done it, but I didn't really start doing it until I went to work for a college and um, I was meeting with students, helping them determine if they were a right fit. And I loved it. Um, and I know the college sometimes got mad at me because I had to tell them, this is not a good fit for you. And I could give them a whole list of things based on what they said. If they said, I only have X amount of money to spend for classes and we were 10 times X, that was going to be number one because mm -hmm. why waste their time? Um, yes. Could I show them ways that they could possibly afford it? They're still going to pay it back, you know? So those were the things that I realized, Hey, I don't have to be a nurse. I don't have to be a doctor. I don't have to be a therapist. Um, I can find other ways. And now we're doing it through podcasting and meeting people like yourself, which is terrific. So before we end this, tell me a little bit what it was like for somebody who had been a grieving widow um, to actually go out and find love again. Oh, my Lanta, that was so hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the, it's, it's funny, you should ask that. Um, so I was in counseling and therapy and I had forgotten at the beginning of our sessions, I, I told her I wanted to be able to love again. And so and I had well-meaning friends say, hey, go get on, you know, and I got on match.com early on. Absolute disaster. I was 42 and he was killed. Absolute disaster. Like either they lived in their mother's basement or they wanted me to be their sugar mom or something. It was just gross. So, and I remember thinking, I was like, oh, so-and-so asked me, you know, to go and do these meetups and go out with these singles. And she's like, what's wrong with that? I'm like, I don't want to do that. I don't want to date. She's like, how are you going to find love again? I'm like, 
I don't want to find love again. And she's like, I'm pretty sure that was one of your goals. So I kind of got ticked at her. She's like, well, just go try it. So a gal pal of mine had unfortunately been divorced. So we started going out and, you know, and just meeting people. I'm like, okay, I can do this. Because that was the first hard thing. Like, could yeah. I actually go out? I did online dating. And that's how I met my new husband. Um, and I very much did not want to get married. That was not, I was going to find somebody to hang out with, travel with, you know, go to music concerts. I live in Austin, Texas. It's a great place for that. And that was my goal. Um, but the universe, God, whatever you believe in, had way different plans. <laughs> <laughs> So what you're telling our listeners is it's not easy. Oh, no. Um, and, you know, I've seen my two sons go through online dating. And um, I know it works for some people. Uh, in fact, I have a best friend who met his wife online. And they are the happiest and sweetest, wonderful couple I've ever met. But it doesn't work for everybody. But it is just one other option that people can go through. Um, but you got to be careful what you tell people are your goals because <laughs> very, very nice of your therapist to remind you, wait a second, that was one of your goals. It was, I wasn't ready for, I didn't think I was, but I was never going to be ready. Um, yeah. And when, there's other ways to meet people. There's meetups, um, there's, you know, social groups, volunteering, things where you can do what you enjoy and you happen to meet other people. And you had mentioned about getting your voice out. Um, it's so important. And if you want to help others, write, blog, talk to people, listen to them. There's, there's so many good stories out there that I'm sure the listeners have as well and things they've been through. Share it. That's probably the biggest gift we can give to each other is share and not make it look like our lives are so perfect, like social media. Yeah. No, we all have stuff. It's just what flavor stuff you have. <laughs> that is so, so true. My brother made sure I knew of that um, just about the time I was getting out of uh, the college, he, um, he just gave it to me between the eyes. I, um, it was a Christmas day and, um, I was feeling sorry that we had no family around. It was my husband and my son. It felt like just any other day. Um, and yet I was cooking and I had been cleaning and I, and when I kept saying, I, it's like, nobody told me to do that, but I did it. Um, and it was about two or three in the afternoon and I was curled up on my bed crying and I pulled over my computer and I put something out on Facebook about, oh, woe is me. And my brother happened to be on Facebook. He saw it and he picked up the phone and he said, you're not my sister. If you wrote that, oh. you've always been able to get through your struggles. Why would you put that out there? And I said, I just want somebody to make me happy like I make them happy. And he goes, then go make yourself happy. What yeah. would you like to do today? I said, I just want to do something. He said, then go to a movie. Movies are open on Christmas Day. Did you know that? And I said, I guess. And he goes, go find a movie. I wiped my tears. I went downstairs and said to my husband, do you want to go to a movie? He was elated. He was bored <laughs> out of his mind. <laughs> and we went to the movies and we made that our new tradition. 
Um, and, you know, when other people were saying around, oh, we were with the Hall of the Family and, you know, my uncle Sid, he got drunk and, you know, the babies were crying. I'm thinking, oh, it was so nice. We saw a great movie. We ate popcorn. We came home, you know, and it's like, you can do the simple things. You mm -hmm. don't have to have a Hallmark Christmas that really is not a Hallmark Christmas. <laughs> yes, exactly. Well, and do it your way. You know, make new traditions just because mom did it. You don't have to do it. You, know? you are so right. So Teresa, how can our listeners find you? Give us some hints. Sure. I'm on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn, Teresa, no H Bittner um, or Teresa Q Bittner. There is another Teresa Bittner out there. She's a realtor somewhere, <laughs> but you can also find me on my website and that is boldfulfilledlifecoach.com. It's really long. If you've got links and you can put them in there, that's great. Um, you can look for the, my books on Amazon. There's other ones that I've been a part of as well. So love to connect with you guys, you know, Absolutely. follow me on social media. I do tips on resiliency and motivational Mondays. And I give out journal prompts just to keep us thinking and moving forward. That sounds wonderful. And for our listeners, you know, everything will be in the show notes. So you don't have to worry. There will be a link to Teresa. You'll be able to contact her. You'll be able to purchase her book. And I just want to throw out one thing to all of our listeners you know, authors don't make a lot of money on their books. However, whatever they make, it's really nice if we go out and purchase their books. And some of them can be purchased as an actual book, or I'm sure you have audio and mm -hmm. others as well. So for those of you who say, hey, I don't need any more books on my bookshelf. Um, hey, take it in Audible, because I will tell you one thing. Um, that's how I'm reading books today because driving from client to client, it works out perfectly. I want to thank you for joining us and sharing your life with us and your coaching skills. And um, just want you to know, we're going to have a new podcast starting in September on grief. And I'm going to have my crew who is putting it all together, contact you because I think you'd be a great influence on that show. So. Wow. Well, thank you. Yeah, that is um, one of one of my specialties that I didn't plan for, but it happens to be. And thank you for having me on today. Lovely Absolutely. conversation. It was wonderful. Have a great day and take care. Thank Bye -bye you too. Now.